Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Tom Morcus with me. Tom helps people start, finish, and ship creative projects. Tom is the CEO of Insurgent Publishing, a boutique publishing company. Tom wrote three books. He's a West Point graduate and an Iraq War veteran. And for a while, Tom got paid to jump out of helicopters. I'm very excited to have Tom on Success Harbor today. Welcome. George, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for being here. Before I say anything, I just want to thank thank you for your service. Um, thank I you. really I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank you. I appreciate it. So let's let's talk about how it all began. Um we're going to talk about publishing. We're going to talk about how, how, and and what to what to do in terms of to of writing and and getting bestsellers and mm-hmm. and 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 the tactics and the strategies. But how did you even get involved with with publishing? What were you doing before that? Yeah, so literally right before I got into it, I was in the in the army. So I went straight from active duty in the service to. Uh, writing and publishing my own stuff to about six months after I got out, maybe even less actually. I got out in September of last year, and by January I was publishing other people's books. So I had actually started writing and publishing my own works about a year before that. Uh, so I've been I basically started writing about 2000. Let me see, 2012, end of 2012. Uh, 2013, I started writing and publishing my own books. Then at the end of 2013, I started publishing other people's books. And that's about the same time I got out of the Army. So it was a direct transition from from active duty military to writing and publishing. So, I mean, writing is, is very difficult for a lot of people. And, you know, some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people learn to love it. Uh, what What was your relationship to writing? Yeah, that's a really good question. I... I I don't consider myself a natural writer, so it was never an easy process. Uh, but it's it's one of those things that I do. I enjoy books and I enjoy writing, like reading other people's work. So I feel the the um, I suppose desire to create something similar, uh, whether it's in book form or even blogging, as best I can. So while I don't consider myself a natural writer, I think the process is a little difficult for me. Uh, I do appreciate the the art form itself and the medium. And so, what were you writing about? You mentioned about a year before you uh, you got out of the army, you already been writing your own stuff. So, what were you writing about? Yeah. So, honestly, the whole the whole theme of what I wrote on was es- essentially the the war of art, which is um, riff off of um, Stephen Pressfield's the book, The War of Art. And so, I took a lot of the same principles, and I said, you know, the, his book is is all about that kind of creative struggle that a lot of people have when it comes to art and entrepreneurship and writing and so on and so forth. And so I thought to myself, and it had a very military kind of slant to it. So I was like, well, that makes sense. Like I, I appreciate that message. I'm also in the military. I'm, I'm in the army. So maybe I can take the same theme and run with it um, in my own way. So I, I picked from him. I picked from Seth Godin. I picked from a lot of these other people that I admired, kind of um, mashed them all together. And that's kind of the stuff that I wrote on. It was that conceptually speaking, it was that, that, war of art, that internal creative conflict that I think every creator goes through. So that was the the basis of what I started writing for the first probably six months, I'd say, solidly. That was essentially, that was the content that I wrote on. Were you writing books or were you writing articles or was it a blog? 
Yeah, so it was a blog at first. It was just writing about two or three times for my own blog, TomMorcus.com. And then about, I want to say maybe, I, I also, also wrote a book called The Art of Instigating, again, just for my website, but that, that was an actual book. I gave it away free, though, um, eventually putting it on Amazon for sale as well. But, um, you know, at that point, I had never really charged for anything for the first, like, four to six months. Um, it will, so when yeah. you start, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I want, it's really important, mm-hmm. this, this part. When you started out, was it, what were your intentions? Was it a business or was it a hobby? Why, why, why did you want to put it on a blog? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a hobby that I intended eventually to build into a business. And it was saying to myself, I see what's out there, I see what people are doing, and are successful you know, writers, bloggers, and so on and so forth. And it was something that I always thought, hey, you know, I, I know I'm capable of doing that, but I need to start somewhere. And I kept, honestly, like before I did that, it took me like a year to finally just start that thing, um, to start the website I have now, which is ridiculous. It is, it's just procrastination, it's fear, and it's all those things that kind of hold you back from starting something. But I finally just launched it and I said, you know, I'm just going to write about what I enjoy writing about. So it is a hobby, um, but with the intention that I'm going to improve my writing skills, I'm going to be able to build an audience, and then I'll be able to to do to essentially to sell that uh, that audience eventually leverage that audience for for business purposes and so who were you reading during the the time when you were kind of making your mind up about uh, you know doing your own blog who who were your your uh, you know the your inspiration mm-hmm. or or whose blogs were you will you read that's a really good question so uh, Seth Godin is one of those blogs that I read pretty consistently. Stephen Pressfield as well. They both have great blogs. So I read their books, but I also I also enjoy their blog content. I was also reading, let's see, um, back then, I guess at that time I was probably leaving, reading Live Your Legend with Scott Dinsmore, which I thought was pretty pretty good. And um, let's see. Oh, man. I mean, I, I think I was reading a lot of other people, but those are the, the few that come to mind. I remember that. Kind and of and when, when you were reading it, what were some of the things that, that you realized about yourself or just the whole process? Just that, you know, these people share their stories and share great, great stuff, whether it's educational or it's inspirational, whatever it is. And they're not, they're not afraid to do so. So for me, it was, it was a reflection back to me and saying, well, why am I scared to to share these ideas, um, if they're doing it, what? Why can't I? So I'd say that's the biggest lesson I learned. So you were writing for yourself, uh, started out as a hobby, but ultimately you knew that you wanted to turn this into some, you know, making money in a way. Um, wh- how did you transition from from writing your own stuff to helping others? Yeah. So the books that I wrote and the articles that I wrote did. Slowly, surely, I didn't put any any work into promotion because I was still in the army, so I didn't actually necessarily want people finding out about it. So I kind of kept it a little down low. I was I was slightly embarrassed about it and all that. I've kind of gotten over that part now. And now that I'm out of the army, I have no problem actually promoting my stuff. But uh, so back then, I kept it pretty. I kept it on the down low, but people found it somehow and started reading and interacting with me, and I got really really good feedback uh, from the work that I was creating, from the books that I was writing, from the blog posts that I was writing. So. When I launched some of those books too, and I was pretty successful with them, I started using this pricing method called Pay What You Want Pricing. Um, that was the first way that I, I launched a book where I actually made money from it. Because again, like I said, for the first like six months, I didn't really do anything paid. Then the first thing I launched was Pay What You Want. It was essentially free, but I said, you can tip me if you enjoy it. And I actually documented that process and shared with people kind of what happened. And 
the reaction to that documentation of the process was huge, and that drove um, you know, a lot of readership over to my blog. A lot of people asked me questions about it, which led me then to write the book on pay what you want pricing, the complete guide to pay what you want pricing. So it was just kind of one thing led to another, if that answers your question. And for how long were you writing already uh, when, when this pay what you want pricing came to you? Yeah, well, I had been writing, so I want to say I started writing in about September of 2012, and I think I launched my first Pay What You Want product in um, February, in March, March or April of 2013. So I don't know, about six months. Yeah, 2013. Yeah, so it wasn't a very long, very long time uh, to do that. And so, what kind of response? You said the, the reception was really good. I mean, were you even looking at your traffic that early in the process? Yeah, no, I really wasn't because um, it was one of those mindset things. I said to myself, literally my biggest struggle was just um, coming to grips with publishing and putting my work out there publicly, which was pretty terrifying for me. And I've told this to some people where, whereas, you know, I've, I've been deployed, been to war and, and jumped out of helicopters and so on and so forth, not not in war, but uh, for training purposes and things like that. Well, all those things were pretty scary. I, I found nothing quite as scary as, as writing and publishing um, and putting your words out there. Well, for whatever reason, I have no idea. I know not everybody's the same way, but for me, that was more difficult um, and scarier. So for me, I wasn't measuring traffic. I didn't look at it like a business. Um, I didn't. I didn't care about the metrics. All I all I cared about was just putting out content and putting out stuff that and getting it out there and getting comfortable with that process in the beginning. That was entirely what I was focusing on. So let's talk about the content. What do you think is the content that you needed to create? Did you have an idea? Like, this is what my content needs to be, or it has to be 1,500 words long or 2,000 words, and it has to do this and that. Uh, what what was that process like? No, it didn't, again, because the, the biggest hurdle I was trying to overcome was simply just getting stuff out there. I didn't, I didn't second-guess myself when it came to either, you know, whether it was measuring traffic. I didn't want to second-guess myself there. I didn't want to second-guess myself on the type of content I was creating or how I was creating it. So I literally just would write stuff that inspired me. Uh, and just that simple. I was basically writing to myself or, or on occasion, I'd, uh, and oftentimes actually, I think of individual people that I knew in real life and thought, you know, if I could, if I could speak to them right now, what would I say? Um, you know, and so I, I focus on one person and that's the stuff I wrote. And and that's how it came out. How it came out, <laughs> no real um, and, strategy. To and it. what were some of the things that you were looking at in terms of feedback? That yeah, Tom, you're on the right track. That would you know just say to yourself, you know, this is not huge yet, but but we're doing the right things. What what were some of the signs that you saw? So the signs were emails to me and. Um, comments on the blog posts themselves, you know, people saying, wow, you know, I just found you, I just read all your blog posts and I thought it was amazing or just this has been so inspiring or I found you at just the right time or, you know, the comments like that, that it's tough. Again, it's not necessarily a business metric um, that you can truly like measure uh, to a degree at least. But in the beginning, because I wasn't really measuring anything else, that people coming and saying these really positive things out of nowhere, unsolicited, I didn't ask for feedback. That was an indicator that I was on the right track, at least to a degree, that people enjoyed my writing, um, that people were, were motivated by it, that it was helping them. So then let's talk about uh, writing your first book. At what point did you decide to, to actually write a book? Yeah, so that was in September, I want to say September, October. No, maybe it was, it was in October, I think. And I went to a Seth Godin conference in New York for a weekend. It was it was two days with Seth Godin. It was a two-day event. It was like a Saturday and Sunday morning, basically. 
and he basically put a post to challenge everybody to ship something within 30 days after that. And I thought that was awesome. And it was like just a kind of, you know, challenge that I needed to say, you know what, I, I have these ideas in my head and I just need to kind of compile them into something. So I had been writing for a minute. I had had a lot of other writing that I just never published. Um, and I kind of just reformatted all my ideas into um, more or less more of a manifesto, but, uh, you know, about an 80 page book, uh, short book, more power, you know, manifesto style. And that's what I did. It took me about 30 days to, to, to knock that out and then, and then ship it. And that was called The Art of Instigating, which people can either buy on Kindle, um, buy on Amazon, or grab it for free at my website if they sign up for my email list. And how were you marketing the book uh, when it came out? Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't market it at all. I mean, it's, it's sincerely, I just wrote it because I wanted to write it. I wanted to ship it. And then I just gave it out to new subscribers. So I said, hey, here, you know, if you come to my, it was one of those, essentially, it was just a lead magnet or an opt-in bribe. So people come to my website, they see the book and say they can get, get it for free, um, which in retrospect, isn't the best way to get people to sign up for your email list if they don't necessarily know what the book is about. So, but again, there was no, no business strategy to that piece of it when I started. So how did you get some of your first customers? Purely through the email list that I started to build up. So I had about 166, I think it was 150, 100, I think the precise number was 166 subscribers when I launched the first Pay What You Want book which was, like I said, I think in March or April. And so I just sold directly to them. And how long did it take you to get 166 subscribers? <laughs> exactly that amount of time because I started in September. So it took me, what, I mean, what is that? I think it's like seven, six or seven months. So mm -hmm. it took me just that long. I mean, yeah. So, so from early on, from the beginning, basically, you've been building about building your list, your email list. Yeah, I, I, I recognized that that was important right from the start, that the whole reason I wanted to do this wasn't just to, I had no interest in just writing for ghosts or whatever. Um, I, while I had the you know, personal struggle of just getting my work out there, I wanted there to be a purpose behind it. And so I knew the purpose for this is to get people interested and then to get in contact with them and to be able to stay in contact with them, which is through an email list. Yeah, that's awesome because, you know, I have talked to so many bloggers and, I mean, some of them were sold for like millions of dollars ultimately and, and the mistake that comes up over and over is that they waited too long to start their email list. So I'm always glad to hear when somebody, mm -hmm. you know, starts right away. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the most effective ways to market your blog and also, you know, your books? Yeah, so it's interesting because it's over the last year, it's evolved in a lot of ways. And so, like I said in the beginning, I really didn't do any promotion. I didn't do any marketing necessarily. But I did do some strategic guest posting where I got on other people's blogs that had large platforms like Fizzle.co and Paid to Exist. And um, what else? I think, what is it? Pro, Problogger.net or something like that, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few of those yeah, others. Pro I've, written, I've written for now probably like, I don't know, uh, 50... I don't know, 30 to 50, um, you know, de decently sized websites from, from large to, to some smaller ones. I mostly, honestly, my strategy when I actually was like, okay, now I'm going to build this is I was very, very selective with my time and who I would guest post for. And I said, I'm only going to strategically guest post in places that I know have audiences that would resonate with my content. I'm not just going to try to be everywhere. I want to be in the right places at the right time. And so that was the best way for me to actually like blow up the size of my list, um, which was, you know, things like fizzle, things like paid to exist were great audiences for what I was creating. Okay. So guest blogging was one. Uh, anything else that uh, is working well for you even today? 
So now that I've, I have enough traction where I have a, you know, a large enough list, like I think once you hit about a thousand people, a couple thousand people, then you can start letting that list market for you. And so what I do is I always encourage people to share every now and then I'll, I'll do, I don't do, I always do like one call to action. That's what I try to do. At least I'm trying to get better at that. So I say, Hey, you know, for this article, please share it. Or Hey, for this article, please leave a comment. Or Hey, for this article, you know, so on and so forth. But the big thing is people will share the stuff I write. So that markets itself. I don't actually do any paid advertising for my site. So people come to the site. And then what I do is on every, every blog post that I write now, I basically have some reason to opt into my list and, and I call them hyper targeted. I, ha- I call them um, hyper targeted, uh, uh, what is it? I think I have a term for it. It's like hyper-targeted upgrades or content upgrades. So hi- essentially ways that like it's it's almost like micro-content. So people come to my blog post instead of just having a generic reason to opt into Tom Morcus's newsletter, which a lot of people don't care about or would want to. They come to a specific blog post, say it's on the topic of pay what you want pricing. And then I'll have an opt-in incentive, a hyper-targeted opt-in incentive that is about, that gives them a template they can use. Um, you know, maybe copy that they can copy and pay, like um, copywriting that they can use for their pay what you want sales page, but they have to opt in to get it. And so that's what I'll do. I'll have something that get, that's essentially a up, content upgrade to the, the blog post itself, which is um, dramatically increased conversion rates and stuff like that now that I'm actually measuring those things. Yeah, that's that's that sounds pretty good. Let's talk about pay what you want pricing. Uh, obviously, you're using that model uh, throughout uh, throughout your site. How did you get the idea for it? So I heard it on a podcast. I think it was Pat Flynn's, and they were talking to the Veneri brothers. I think it was Anthony Veneri of thehybridathlete.com, and they now have gotten moved on. I think they still run that website. They also do Pittsburgh uh, and and a couple of really awesome projects. And they were fitness guys. They were they were in the health industry basically which is a really crowded niche and they basically said hey you know we're making you know a couple hundred thousand dollars a year or something like that uh through their their fitness website and i was like okay you know no big deal that's that's good and they're you know i'm not you know dissing them in that respect i was like that's good but it doesn't you know it, it is what it is right but then he mentioned that and the way they're doing it is through pay what you want products and that kind of blew my mind that you could be and they they said on average they're making about <clears throat> something like can't quite remember. It was like three hundred to six hundred dollars a day through pay what you want products. So I was like, wow, that's a light bulb. If that works in that niche in that industry that's very crowded, I was like, that's just I'm just so fascinated by that. I have to figure out more about it. And also that would be great for my writing, which at the time I had not monetized. I had not actually sold anything. And I really loved the idea of kind of giving as much as possible away for free, which I still do. Um, but I figured, hey, if I if I give all this away for free, maybe I should allow people also to to uh, to contribute back. And, and and give me back in some way, shape, or form. I mean, it feels to me a little bit like pay what you want pricing is almost like different prices for the same products. You know, a lot of times people say, well, if you have a if you have a book, you should have a twenty nine dollar version, and then you have a, you should have a seventy nine dollar version that includes something else, and you should have a five hundred dollar version that includes something else in addition to that. And it's almost like the pay what you want pricing is a. It, you get almost the same result potentially, uh, but it's just it's just a different way to go about it. Yeah, so that's I consider I guess I would maybe call that I don't know tiered tiered pricing or tiered packages. Um, and if it's fixed, you know, so here's the interesting part: is is pay what you want. It can start at zero plus. It can start at a dollar plus. You can start at five dollars plus. You can you can put a lower minimum if you want. Um, you know, there's a fine line there though where you kind of hit it and you're like, wait a second, this is really pay what you want? Are you you know charging? the minimum amount that it's actually worth. Um, you know, and so that's the dangerous part, of course, with it when some people use it and it doesn't quite work right. 
But the reality is, when you pay what you want pricing, you need to incentivize generosity. So you need to give people a reason to contribute generously. It's not just, here, I'm going to put a sticker on this that says, you know, take... So give me an example of that. How, sure. how, do you, how do you instigate that? So here's a great example. If you check out HumbleBundle.com, they are uh, an organization that essentially, um, I don't know how to describe it, they, they get producers of video games to sell video games on their website, and then they connect charities to it as well. And they basically say, hey, you know, they're a platform then to sell these video games to, to um, you know, video game players. So I'll go on the website, I'll check it out, and there's a bundle of games. So it's Humble Bundle. It's a bundle of games, and if I contribute, whatever I contribute, a portion is going to go to charity, a portion is going to go to the Humble Bundle people that put it on, and then a portion is going to go to the video game producers as a, as a quick, you know, um, uh, and then you can also decide how much goes to which um, which entity? But the point is, as a general theme of this, a portion goes to charity, a portion goes to the video game creators, right? That's really the important thing to take away from this. And so they, what they do is they'll assemble a few different video games and they'll say, here's the, here's the bundle. And it's, you just have to contribute like more than a cent or something like that or more than a dollar. Um, and then you get it free. And then you, well, you don't get it free. You actually, then you get these video games. But if you, but, so if you just did it that way, that's not going to bring in very much revenue. People are going to contribute the, the probably 50% or more are going to contribute at the minimum or you know as little as possible, statistically speaking. So how do you get people to contribute more? Well, they've done a brilliant job. They've done they they do all the things right. They they incentivize generosity by saying, well, if you if you contribute x if you contribute over the average, then you get these three extra games. If you contribute at the you know this bonus level, then you get these other games that the, you know this. Then you get all the access to these um, additional video games or additional soundtracks and so on and so forth. They also show the levels that other people have contributed. Like they show the top ten highest contributors next to when you gift or when you when you choose to pay. Um, pay. So you see right next to the pay option that other people are contributing a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars to these bundles, and because they have a uh, and because they're focusing on the charitable aspect of this, there's a cause and a purpose associated with it, which again is it, 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 it that gives an incentive for people to contribute generously. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes it makes perfect sense. And you know, I I love the model. You know, I, I mean, I I haven't never used the model, but I'm I'm ever since I've been reading your uh, your blog and and you know this interview, I'm thinking about ways of mm-hmm. of using that in, in my own business because I want to give it a try. You know, I mean, uh, why does why does it work? I mean, have you looked into the psychology of uh, the pay what you want pricing model? Yeah, and it's it's it works because. It, that just the way human beings work and definitely the psychology of it, which is when you consider why whether or not people are generous to begin with. And what's funny is there's a Harvard Business um, Review study that was done on that same subject. And in the title, I don't have it in front of me, but it was something like, uh, you know, people are people are generous um, when given the opportunity. It's like um, something like 99% of people, when given the opportunity, will contribute something. Uh, so when, when, when somebody's given a chance where they don't have to contribute anything or they can, something like 99% of people will choose to contribute. Um, so again, I don't have the exact article in front of me, but it is in my book. But the reason I point that out is because I think people are, are generous by nature, either because of they, they truly are altruistic or maybe they're just in fear of being uh, you know, ashamed of not giving enough. Regardless of that, the, that question, why? Uh, they just they are. So you have to realize first and foremost, people do give even when things are free. And the second thing is to recognize that there's this principle of 
uh, I suppose reciprocity, if you call it that. Uh, if you've ever read, read Cialdini's um, Influence, he's done, he did some great research. It's one of my favorite books. But it's fascinating is that when it comes to Patreon pricing, you're essentially triggering reciprocity. You're saying, here, take it. And that, that kind of almost benevolent act of giving inspires other people then to give because nobody wants to be gifted and not gift back. At least the majority of society, um, there's there's few. I'm sure some some people who can turn off that that part of their brain and, and just accept a gift and move on. But the reality is most people can't can't accept a gift without somehow giving back. And so that's where and that's why it works. Yeah, it's that's great stuff. Great stuff. Um, let's talk about uh, Amazon and Amazon bestsellers. Um, y- you know, obviously, y- you know, you have information about that, but I don't know if you can. If we can talk about some of the things that uh, that that people that in the audience that are, are writing books now and, and and publishing it on Kindle uh, that they can do to to help them, you know, I'm not saying everybody's going to be a bestseller, but what are the, some of the things that they can do to improve their chances of of becoming one? So I'm going to give you a, a list of a few things that'll be really powerful for anybody listening to this. If you're interested in writing and publishing. Um, if you're specifically looking at – now, first, before I start, if you're looking to publish, you don't have to go the Kindle route. You don't have to go the Amazon route. It's good for some people. It's not good for everybody. I do a little bit of both. I believe that if I'm looking for revenue, though, if I'm looking to generate revenue, I want to sell directly to my audience. That's where you're going to make the most of your money. But if you're looking for reach and exposure and impact, then you want to use a platform like Amazon. So that said, if you want to actually leverage Amazon the right way, then you need to do a few things. One, you need to actually – Activate and catalyze your tribe or your group of followers or your audience. Now, if you're saying, well, I don't have an audience, then make your first book a reason to build an audience. Build an audience around that book. So this is, this is something that too many authors do. They, they, they think that like Amazon or that a publisher is going to sell their book for them, which isn't true. Nowadays, more, more often than ever even, publishers only buy or pick up a, um, an author who already has an audience because they're just not in the game of gambling. They're a business. And so you have to understand that, that it's your requirement as an author, as a self-publisher, whatever you're doing, to build your own audience. Now, that said, so you want to activate and catalyze your audience. Now, you can do that through Facebook groups, through Twitter, through social media. You can do that through meetup groups in person or online. You can do that through forums. And you can do that through, again, I think the best and the, 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 seriously the best way is to, is to build your own blog and build your own platform and start getting people opting in. But that said, so once you do that, then you need to give, you know, so that's activating them, getting them prepared for the book, saying, hey, this is coming out. I need your help supporting it. You can sign up for, um, you know, to be notified when it releases. So then you need to, to catalyze them, like get them moving, right, and get them supporting it. So the best way to do that is create an ambassadors list, um, a group of people that will get free access or early access to the book, plus behind the scenes look, plus, you know, access to you in some way, shape, or form, you know, something that's more personal in exchange for their reviews and their sharing of the book when it launches. The reality is if you launch a book on Amazon and you're not, you're not getting you know, 15 or 30 reviews right off the cuff, you know, you're just not a competitor. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, but the reality is I think anybody, if they truly put their time and effort into it and could kind of get over themselves, could get 15 to 30 people to review their book. And the reality is that's, that's you know, the average is almost like, I think, 10, 10 reviews when a book comes out. If it doesn't have about 10, it, like, it, it seriously hurts your ranking in Amazon. And then additionally, Amazon has its own search engine optimization, optimization strategies. So just like Google, it's a search engine. Amazon's 
uh, a brilliant search engine in that people are only searching on Amazon because they want to buy. So it's actually probably the, the most lucrative search engine. And yet so many people ignore that when it comes to describing their books, putting the right keywords in their books into how they uh, into working the, the Amazon's SEO to improve their ranking. And there are a lot of more advanced ways to do that, which I don't want to, you know, just probably too advanced for this conversation. But I do have a new platform that I am building called Publishers Empire that I'm literally in pre-beta right now. We'll probably launch in January, but it's going to go into, you know, more depth on topics like that. That is just right now, there's a lot of misinformation out there where there's just seriously no information out there right now. And I want to kind of show self-publishers and authors exactly how to do that. Um, which is what I did with with several books to um, with Dan Norris's book, The Seven Day Startup, to get that to 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 top um, Amazon bestseller, top thirty in all of Amazon under free category, and then number one paid in business and uh, I think it was startups. So you know we did some really cool stuff with his, and uh, and that's what I'm I'm trying to take that same stuff that we did and 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 make it more accessible to more people. That sounds great. Well. I really appreciate you coming on Success Harbor today, Tom, to, to share kind of, uh, you know, your background and how you got started and to talk about pay what you want pricing and uh, publishing. How can people find out uh, more about you or, you know, see how how you can help them? Or maybe, I don't know if you have a URL for, for this mm-hmm. this new platform that you are, you're working on. Yeah, you know, I bought the URL, so but it's there's nothing on it right now. I literally just launched the pre-beta yesterday. So it's it's totally fresh, um, totally new, and I'm only really accepting a, a, a few, you know, a small group of people into the pre-beta. So, but when when this launches, I don't know, it, you know, it'll be it'll be um, publishersempire.com. So just one word. But I'd say the best place to actually reach out to me, because obviously I'll plug that stuff on my own website and, and I kind of share all the different projects that I work on and all the different kind of cool things I'm doing. And, and I, I really do try to be like super transparent with the different things I'm working on and strategies that other people can use. So if you guys are interested in that, if if you enjoy Patreon pricing or publishing or anything like that, you know, starting, finishing, and shipping projects, check out TomMorkis.com. And uh, that's T-O-M-M-O-R-K-E-S.com. And that's the best way to get a hold of me. Well, thank you, Tom. And everybody uh, listening, check out TomMorkis.com. And uh, hopefully you can come back maybe a year from now and see how, how everything is going with your publishing uh, business and how the new platform is working. Perfect, George. Sounds good. Uh, I'll take you up on that. Thank you, and thank you for everybody listening. Bye.